0: Right so basically James Priestley people will know you from series 5 SAS Who dares wins you were one of two graduates that year Yeah now would you, are are you are you winners or are you graduates how do you view it we're
1: winners <laughs> Yeah, that we've well we're survivors as well, I suppose. Yeah, that's a good one. Survivors, winners and survivors. That's what it,
0: that's what I'd put it as.
1: So I, I've I've been
0: um, catching up with a bit of it. I watched a couple of episodes today with you guys in, and I didn't really. It feels like I don't know how it feels to you, but this was only shot in 2020, was it not? It, 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 this was only last year it happened. Yeah, well, it was
1: actually 2019, so it was filmed in October 2019. Yeah. Um, and then it comes out the February of the year after. Yeah. So the hilarious thing is, um, it was like, for some reason, a monsoon landed in Scotland on October 2019. So that was pretty cool. Um,
0: what, while you were
1: there? <laughs> honestly, I've been back since. And there's just one hotel in Rissay And we went and spoke to them. And they sort of re- remembered us straight away and said, oh, my God, that was the worst rain and wind we have ever experienced like, they couldn't have the doors open and all this sort of stuff. And we were just like, oh, that's cool. That's quite cool that they've said that.
0: Yeah, Jesus Christ. Well, I was watching the, um, the episodes and it was certainly wet. Like, that's, that's every episode. It was rain, rain, rain. So I, you actually saw that on the, on the thing as well. What was the temperature like? Was it, it must have been cold up there? It was freezing all the time, raining
1: all the time. It was probably just that temperature, that sweet spot before it snowed. Like that's the sort of temperature you're playing with. But the other thing is, you can't even. You never really get warm or thaw out because I remember going to whenever you got sort of forty-five minutes rest or sleep. Whenever you, whenever you were able to to have that, um, you you wrists and your hands are constantly just just like this. You can't you cannot get warm, yeah, um, because you've got this like um, log burner that's like. My it's like the size of a fucking hole in the corner of a room. Um, it's just like it does does nothing
0: really. But that's the point of it. It's supposed to be unbelievably hard. So yeah, it was yeah. freezing me. Did I've always looked at those uh, that little log burner in the room? Does it actually work? Does it even? heat that room it looks like it looks like a little match in the middle of like the millennial <laughs> you know, it has no effect whatsoever uh does it does it warm the room or does have, do you have to get be right next to it to get to feel it you, you have to be
1: yep to get any benefit from it whatsoever you have to be right next to it because in addition to that you're in like an abandoned farm so there's no insulation anywhere the heat whatever it produces just goes straight up and out all the holes in the walls and the ceiling. And yeah. then if ever anybody opens the door just for a second, that's it. The heat just goes out, escapes. So there's, to be honest with you, you just try and get whatever dry equipment you've got, jumpers, just chuck a couple of them on because standing next to that fire. The other thing is you're supposed to keep it going through the night, but everybody is that battered that you just cannot be arsed getting up, opening <laughs> it up and putting more wood in. You know what I mean? Because so it just ends up going out during the night because everybody's that exhausted. Um, you go to sleep. So you wake up, you know, with a flashbang or whatever, however they take you from zero to 100 in half a second.
0: Um, and it's just freezing constantly. Yeah. Wind, rain, awful, mate. I was interested. Like, do you have a background in sport then? I mean, have you always been um, a physical person, you know, taking part in sports and fitness? Or was it, was it something new?
1: no I have yeah so growing up always been into rugby um more the team sports more than anything so just playing rugby and and that's like an all-season sort of thing as well you've got summer rugby and winter rugby where um you're attacking the um you know the weather all the time so yeah but w- without a doubt you c- you cannot really prepare yourself for something like that there's there's really not much you can do apart from go to that location and do those things. Otherwise, you've just got to, it's just it's just this and this that, that you've just got to keep strong. Everything yeah. else, it's all just, honestly, you cannot you cannot really prepare for it because it is such a unbelievable onslaught attack on all your senses that um, you've just got to be there to really be able to train for it. You know, there's no other way. Um, that you can prepare but yeah to, to answer your question just rugby and stuff growing up running away from the police you know usual
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a grab from the shops What was it rugby, rugby league was it rugby union the real rugby or the or the fake rugby rugby league <laughs> <laughs> so it was
1: rugby union throughout sort of growing up but then yeah. when I went to university I started playing rugby league there so yeah. um in Hull over in Hull and loved it yeah because it's just a it's not just the different rules and all that sort of stuff. You've got your different people that
0: play and support the two different games, don't you? So, oh, definitely. Yeah, well, I, I mean, you can't hide. There's a bit of a northern accent there as well. So I thought you'd be well ingrained with the rugby league setup. <laughs> yeah, that's it, mate. Yeah, that's it. And what, what position were you playing?
1: So I was, um, I was scrum half in uh, rugby union. At five foot and ten. Then, I know, <laughs> <laughs> and then. Um, and then in rugby league, I was second rower. So weird, a bit like a
0: centre in second row in rugby league. So it's a bit of a biff, really. So how did you prepare then? When, when, you, when you got the call out saying, right, you're going, or, or is it quite quick? I mean, how did you prepare for something? like Or how did you specifically prepare? I know you're saying you can't prepare because it's so unique of an experience, but did you do any fitness beforehand? Did you do any cold baths, ice, ice baths? Yep, did all of that. So... Um,
1: the first thing I needed to do was get experience outdoor swimming, because initially they tell you, well, they ask you the questions and you've just got to take the intel. So they say they asked quite a few times, are you a strong swimmer and are you good in open water? Things like this. So it just tells you, right, we're going to be doing quite a bit of swimming. So um, just, just around the corner from me, there was like an open water um, like swimming place. So I went around there, just practice, practice with this guy all the time. He was a was really good good trainer. Um, and then before and after work, I'd just get to the field with friends and I'd just have them on my shoulders. And I'd be trying to just go as far as I can. Um, so, yeah, basically watching all the seasons up, and, up until the fifth season, obviously, uh, all the seasons before to try and just gather intel
0: on what they're doing um, and doing all that trying to do all that, really. I've always noticed, um, because obviously each season follows the basic same setup, I guess, with the challenges, but it's always surprising to see how people are are still, to this day, caught off guard with the challenges, which you, you should know that are coming up, but I guess they're so exhausted and so in it that you forget what's coming. You're right. I think it's a little bit of that, but also some people are just naive, you
1: know, so they've got through I'm not taking anything away from anybody because the the test, the test, physical test to get onto the show is really difficult um, to just pass those. But if you have a good backstory and you just sort of skim through the tests, you're going to make it because the TV part of it, it's just how it is. The TV part of it is more important than having the fittest people on there and trying to break them. So the two guys you saw that, sort of quit within 15 seconds. Um that was just pure naivety and just totally being unprepared. And I'm sure that's one of them was saying, oh, I haven't even watched it before and things like this. And you just think, <laughs> and, and if, why have you come here then? You know, do you think you're gonna win by and you don't know what's coming? Um and yeah, just the shock of it. Um again, they were both physical guys, but the shock of it just braze you mentally and they just thought i can't i can't do this this is the first few minutes and we've mm-hmm. got another you know two weeks of this so yeah it just breaks people like you said is some people were just a lot more prepared than other but you have to prepare yourself mentally for the shock of things as well as physically and
0: yeah some people just fell down with that i know it's um they definitely they kick off hard straight from the off uh, offset they are it's it's challenge, challenge, challenge. Does it get easier? (laughs) I know that sounds silly. I know it sounds silly, but does the intensity dip slightly? I mean, the challenges are still just as hard, but it's not as intense as the start. Well, on the contrary, what they do is they tell
1: you every hour that passes is your easiest hour. Right. So they always say, we are going to ramp it up now. It is going to be 10 times worse tomorrow. Get ready. Make sure you eat a lot of porridge in the morning because get ready for tomorrow so each day is harder and harder than the one before it again because they're trying to attack you mentally and break you down as well as physically because if you have given it your absolute all on day one and they've said well done you've got past the easiest day then people just throw in the bands they're just like i can't do it but yeah that's the reason why they do it because they want people to go. You know what? I'll just keep going until I can't go anymore. Yeah, I gave it my all, but um, yeah. To answer your question, every hour that went by, the next hour was twice as hard, um, yeah. and it's it's tough without, you know, you being there or speaking to the camera or anything like that. Because I think they compress every hour into a minute or something like that of footage. So it's um, it's tough to show you really just how unbelievably
0: close to impossible it was to just get through every day how how did you get through every day what what was sort of um, motivating you to keep going you know what you you become somebody else so you go into
1: survival mode the second you're there it's okay talking to people and things but even like i went so i was so finely tuned with my energy reserving my energy I didn't want to move my mouth and speak to someone because that would waste energy. So I was just on my own going to sleep whenever I could, as much as I could, um, because I had no idea when they would be coming back. So that was one of my first sort of strategies to keep going. The second one is a bit of arrogance, you know. You do need it. So I saw all these people. They're all in better shape than me. They're all CrossFitters they're all super fit. And you you look at me, I'm just this chubby guy. So I knew they were all in better shape than me, but I just told myself, I am better than you. I'm gonna beat all of you. Nothing is gonna stop me winning this this competition. So just sort of shutting yourself off, going into a bit of a dark place, into survival mode. So you've just got your raw sort of abilities on show. That's it. And you don't think about anything else.
0: that's what pushed me through every single hour. It, I find What I find interesting is, um, so I think Ant Middleton, at the start of the show, he says, we're going to strip them down, you know, we're going to, to their bare souls. And so it's sort of implying that, you know, they're going to get rid of any ego that's there. But then it's almost like you used maybe a, an arrogance or maybe an ego to get through it. How much do you feel yes. that ego is important to get him through but then also it could be quite uh, the opposite effect did you see anyone there with egos that because of their ego they failed uh, uh, i don't know whether it was because they failed and
1: i won't name names but there were a couple of tosses on there <laughs> i just thought <laughs> right i just thought fuck me you just you're not a team player so i think there is a spectrum of having an ego and it's good to have it for yourself to keep you going and to be a leader and to be strong for other people. But if you go a bit too far and you're just for yourself and you're not a team player, it's finding that that spectrum where obviously everyone in the SES is like the perfect combination of intellect and savagery, but they've all got to be leaders. Mm-hmm. You know, and, um, to be a leader, you do have to be so confident in yourself that it, it's a little bit arrogant, um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I don't know whether it was their downfall with a couple of them, but I do know for a fact that the team won't have rallied around these these two people um, that I remember because I just thought, even in myself, fucking hell, if you get in trouble, I actually do not want to help you because you are so arrogant. Yeah. Um, so it's finding that sort of, yeah, that sweet spot where, You've got it in yourself, but maybe try not to show it to everybody else. Just keep telling yourself, I am better than all you lot.
0: So don't worry about what happens. I'm better than you. But then when people are in trouble, you know, being a team player as well i mean I'd, I'd call it a confidence it's a confidence rather than an arrogance it's um yeah. whether you believe it or not you just if you tell yourself that it's going to give you the, the fuel to keep pushing forward i mean how yeah, you you had some cla- I, I was watching about series feet five is um one of the best series i think i think you had some great uh characters on their personalities you had you had awesome. Pav as well pav cracking guy also yeah. involved with rockman you've had kim yeah uh chris um and ev- there were some really physically fit people on there. How important is the team around you to keep going as well? Because obviously you're all there as individuals, all wanting to pass as individuals, but how important is it to work as a team and support each other? It's, It's so close to second. It's almost as important
1: as your performance as an individual because people can bring you down. If everybody's being really negative, because it's such a negative environment, that they will pick off the weaklings and then they will want to be known as being weaklings because maybe the part of the world where they're from, they're the strongest. But then now all of a sudden they've come to to this competition and they're being picked off as the weakest. So it's this kind of culture shock, reality check. And they maybe start bringing other people down because it makes them feel better. So you've got to obviously be confident and like you said, and be confident in your abilities. But if you don't trust the people around you to, to support you, and a lot of the team stuff um, unearthed a lot of selfish people. So, yeah. um, for example, again, I won't name any names, but um, there were some lazy fuckers on the log carry. So it was like, I'm not exaggerating, close to 200 kg was this log. It was so Jeez. heavy. Um, and rightfully so it's not going to touch everybody's shoulders because there's people shorter than others and all that sort of stuff so there's a flaw there in that 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 um, test didn't test everybody equally some people got tested and a lot more pressure was put on them than others so if you were a bit too short and it didn't touch your shoulders you were given the bags which were 40 kg each. you put one on your front, one on your back, and maybe try and carry one, and you'd lead the way sort of thing. Whereas I was thinking, I would love to have the bags. <laughs> like, yeah. give give me four or five bags, and I'll, I'll run ahead with them. Do not have this log, though, folding me in half, which is what it was doing. <laughs> yeah, Honestly, it's just... And, and all it took was one person to just have a bit of a break, and you would feel it straight away. It would be carving into you. Um, so teamwork was so crucial that you had to go right I'm going to put my body on the line but you need to do it as well and there were a few people who weren't because they were that for themselves that they wanted to reserve their energy and then lo and behold what happens because the staff have got eyes everywhere these people started getting dropped Mm. Um, and even to this day they're saying I don't know why you know you've probably seen it as well I don't yeah. know why I got cut and all this stuff. It's like, listen, there's a, a reason, a very, very clear reason you got cut. You either weren't coping very well or you were hiding from the work, so they cut you. Um, and yeah, yeah. that's what happens. You know, it's it's a fact. You've just got to deal with it and roll on with it. But yeah, being a team player is almost, it's not quite there, but it's almost as important as obviously making sure you keep yourself strong.
0: Yeah. It's, it's those sneaky short people, see? Sneaky, <laughs> sneaky short bastards. <laughs> well um yeah. I'd like to I'd like to talk me about the um the water challenge where they made you all get in the water. And I think there was a point where you and Chris, I think, had been in the water for 15 minutes before as everyone sort of farted about trying to get to you to even yeah. start the challenge. Now I've I've done a um I did Man V Mountain ages ago. I don't know if you know, it's like a, uh, I think it's a rat race uh, where you go up and over Mount Snowden. Oh, nice. And then you're jumping in the lakes towards the end or uh, so in the quarry. Now, when I jumped into that quarry, the, the cold oh, took yeah. it out of me so much. Like um, it restricts your chest, doesn't it? You, you feel like, you I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. I was trying to get out so quickly. <laughs> but like, yeah. You guys were in there for so long. What, what was that like? And, it, and it's probably going to be even colder because it's Scotland.
1: Yeah, you, you know what? It, well, if you remember as well, when you went into the, the water there at Snowdon, it's obviously like knives going into you when you get into the water, but it's even colder when you get out. Yeah. So the wind, wind being on your wet clothing and your boots, um, and the majority of the time, I'm not exaggerating, the staff would just say to you, we'll beast you so that your clothes get dry, you know, so you're, you're that exhausted and you've just wet through freezing. They say, we'll do drills up and down this hill as a favour to you so that you can get, so you dry, your clothes will dry out, you know, with your body heat.
0: Yeah. But
1: yeah, that was, um, that was like a cave swim, which um, we didn't even get a chance to do because it started getting to a point where people were maybe going to get hypothermia or, um something was happening with a few of the, the girls i think um <coughs> where that's why we were waiting so long because we were waiting to go but the team never came back um and so that's when the medical team there were like bloody hell these guys have been in the water for a long time now and when you're not moving in the water your body temperature just keeps dropping and dropping yeah and that's when you start obviously going into shock sometimes so, yeah, what had happened is someone had got into trouble. Um, it was either a form of a panic attack or, um, or maybe um, like a, a small onset of pneumonia, something like that, that they had to save and bring everybody back out of this cave. Um, and then we had to lift this boat up that uh, we had to bring all the way over the mountains anyway. We had to get out, lift this boat up, and take that back all the way through whilst they, they tried to help out these other people who would sort of... Um, you know what, I can't remember whether it was like they got stuck because they weren't strong enough swimmers because it was, that was, that's the tough thing about the cave because the waves are coming in constantly. You've mm. got to swim against the waves to get back out. I don't know whether it was that or pneumonia, but either way, it was a very tough task for everybody to to swim into this cave and come back out. But yeah, because we were the last team we were waiting for so long that they said, the health and safety guy says you're going to have to get them out because um, it's going to get dangerous now. So that's how cold it was, yeah. yeah.
0: Did, how, how did you feel at that? Because, I mean, essentially you were in there for all that time for, for, for nothing because you didn't even get to do the challenge. Did, did you harbour any resentment or do you have to just sort of let things go and just on the next thing?
1: Yeah, of course. Not at all. No, no resentment for a single thing that happened on there. I just thought, this has happened that's fine, let's get out, let's get to the next thing. Um, and just just saying, like, even if they were to then say, actually, get back in, we'll try again. it would be like, okay, cool, let's get back in. Um, just do what, what, whatever it takes, basically, and trying to keep that positivity, like, without going, oh, God, we haven't been able to do the task or all like that. It's just like, listen, it is what it is. Let's get out, let's do something else. So, yeah,
0: yeah just try to stay positive. What was um, What was your hardest moment or lowest moment what was your hardest or lowest moment on that whole course do you
1: feel hardest moment easy by far was the stress positions um um, unbelievable so we've been on the run for 24 hours with nothing but a tin of chickpeas you know (laughs) um so you've got you know you're totally depleted every step you you know you've been in the water whilst you're on the run you've got to swim to shore with all your heavy stuff on and then you're just about to gather your stuff and, and get ready. And the hunter force comes around the corner. They know where you are all the time. So you're you never resting for 24 hours. And this is day 11. So you've already been absolutely flogged for 11 days. And then you're on the run for 24 hours. It goes dark, it goes light, it goes dark again. And then they capture you. And then even if I had a, had a Sunday dinner and a full belly and, you know, 10 hours kip, this task would still have been really, really, really hard because you've got to sit on this cold floor with your legs crossed and hands behind your back and stuff. I remember having my arms like this. Whenever you try and, you know, just have a bit of a break, you just hear it. Someone going, Doof, dof, 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 and then they put a knee in your back and pull your elbows back. And you've just got to keep that position so you know not only is it physically breaking you, but mentally you know that someone is always there and you are never, ever going to be able to get a break because the second you start to lean or anything like that, someone's there. And not, not even that, you start, to, you start to lose your mind a little bit, right? So I was obviously watching the films, which you know about, which was trying to distract me from what was going on. But things like people whacking you in the goggles with the Yardstick um, and ragging you about stuff like that um, didn't phase me at all. That was absolutely fine. But what did phase me? Well, it didn't phase me. It just played with my mind a bit. Is towards the end, someone started caressing me and caressing. Yeah, started caressing my neck and then just started caressing my ass. And I had my hands up against the wall like this, and I was thinking, "Has the camera's gone off?" And someone had just come in and they're just messing with me or like, that was the thing. I was like, what the fuck's going on now? Why, what's going on here? Um, so they do stuff like that to make sure they tap into each person's like psyche, because as we were coming down the hill afterwards, it just been playing on my mind. Honestly, I don't know why it was there because it's not a big deal really. But I said to, to all the staff, as we were walking down the hill at the end, just a quick question. Uh, who was it who was like grabbing my ass and uh, like playing with my neck during um, the stress positions and Jay was like oh that was me he said I I was doing that because it happened to me during selection and it bothered me and he said they throw me around kicking me on the floor stuff like that he said I don't give a shit about but when people start caressing you and you're not quite sure whether it's a man or a woman or anything like that it it does it, it sort of messes with you a bit so but obviously that was just a thing that sort of plays on your mind a little bit, but the excruciating agony you are in, because there was 10 of us, I think, by the time we got to the interrogation and the stress positions, and then there was only four of us that came out of that because it is, oh, it's so, so bad. And people were sort of permanently affected by it when they came out, because your body is in such a, uh, um, unlike unorthodox position for such a long time that it does it affects
0: your body people's shoulders have to like get put back in really? their place and stuff yeah yeah how, how long do they do they make you hold each yeah, position i've always wondered when when watching it because when you watch it it looks like they they're making you constantly change position but i guess that's just the editing so how long would they make you hold sort of one position for it's tough to say, you know, mate. So I know the total time we were there
1: was like 13 and a half hours. Jeez. Um, <laughs> yeah, is what we were tortured for and then interrogated. Um, but in those positions, I honestly could not tell you because it felt like a lifetime, um, mm-hmm. which is why you welcomed it so much when someone dragged you around and picked you up and started leading you out of the room and you're like, yes, I'm going to go get interrogated. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
0: please. I can't wait. Yeah,
1: I, I know. Honestly, you were like, I just the training as well that like they told you a few days before was try and be interrogated for as long as possible because it's less time being tortured. Mm. So try and speak to them for as long as possible. Don't be like this. Don't be um, like disconnected with them. Try and speak with them for a long time, and um, it's more and more minutes. That you don't have to be tortured in the room in the stress positions and stuff so yeah. yeah when they picked you up when they picked you up to take you to be interrogated it was just a it was awesome it felt so good now who, um, who,
0: who interrogated you because you you didn't have the the bald bloke did you no so they're actually so these guys as well um
1: interrogate are professional interrogators you know they they do it with terrorists um I don't know whether they still do it, but they, they did um, interrogate terrorists in the UK. So they're so tuned in to what type of person you are. And on the actual program, they said, which was totally right, they said number one, which is my number. Um, if we shout, if we get it to go and shout in his face and rag him about, he'll just smile at you. you won't, he won't be bothered because they looked into my background and stuff. They said, so send him to Liz which was totally the best thing they could have done. Because yeah. when I got in front of Liz, I felt really uneasy. Like, she was lovely. She was such a lovely person. Here's a cup of tea, and I want sure whether to take it or not. And here's a here's a biscuit. And I was just like, I'm, I'm all right, thank you. Like, I wasn't sure. It was really disarming. Like, and, and that's why, if someone would have been shouting and bawling at me in my face, I would have felt a lot more in control because I would have, pretended to be upset or i would have controlled the situation whereas when she was in front of you being really nice and lovely and asking questions you couldn't help but answer the questions because um that's just the sort of two different contrasts you know of how how people are affected because some people i'm not i'm not saying all women are affected by this but um certainly because they're, they're like lovelier species when a woman is getting shouted at that's 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 bad. That that brings like that sort of sadness out of them. So they start pouring out information. Mm. Whereas usually, like with the men, it's more when someone's being really nice to you. That's what it was like with me. She she was being really lovely, and I just couldn't help but just give her
0: all the information she wanted. Yeah, yeah. I bet. Well, I mean, good job you didn't have that ball bloke. I don't I don't know if you met him during the course. He looks scary. He's one scary looking mother lover, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, big time, and. um
1: and he's the right man for the job what actually happened was when we when four of us and they said right you're good now the next um two days are going to be the worst you've ever experienced in your life and we thought right well the series before us they ended it at, at once you got through the torture phase yeah you know whereas we've got through the torture phase and there's another two days so when we went back into the into the barracks bit um all the interrogators came in the bald guy and uh, the guy from up here on Yorkshire and Liz and the um, umpire as well. They all came in and they said, we've switched all the cameras off. Don't worry about it. They said, we just want to come in and congratulate you guys and just give you a hug because we, we aren't no in real life. That's what they're saying. They said, we, we all act like dickheads, but we're not dickheads in real life. And we hugged them all. And it was just a real like special moment really. Yeah. Um, because even the, obviously that big bald guy, just to be stood next to him, he's like fucking hell. He's, he's tools, just intimidating. Tools, he's like six foot four, something like that. He's huge. I would say even more, yeah. Yeah, he's like six six. Um and he comes in and hugs you and he's like, listen, sorry, I was shouting at everybody and stuff. Um yeah. but you just we've got a job to do. So
0: yeah. Well, throughout the whole um course, do you have a standout moment? Would do you have like a favorite? challenge or a favorite moment where you, you felt great <laughs> you actually felt happy at one point or anything yeah the, well there was two i'll switch this line it's starting to get a bit dark for the yeah no worries there was two
1: actually so the first one was um what's called the cat's cradle where you had to go over the two two ropes over the gorge and it was uh it was foxy who said um Because they were always going, oh, you you fat bastard and stuff like that to me. (laughs) Um, He said, you're too fat for this. Uh, You won't fucking do it. Um, So I was like, all right, sweet. So then the thing is, it it was difficult. If you're a heavy guy, because Pav was close to my weight as well. Pav was a heavy, bulky guy, powerful guy. And he he, he couldn't do it because the heavier you are and the more powerful you are, the worse you're going to be at that challenge. So you're already knackered by the time you get over to the middle of the the centre of the gorge and then you've got to propel yourself up. And uh, I must have done it about nine times and I I couldn't get up and I was running out of energy and six, seven, eight, nine were just really crap attempts because I just had no energy left. But I held onto the rope and I just gathered myself um, and they were going, come on, fat boy, slim, and shouting (laughs) loads of stuff at me. And then I just, I would just like shouted a bit and I was like, ah! and got up. And then I was like, buddy, hell. And, and then I started going down the rope and I was thinking, yes, I can't believe I've just done it. And then few, few, everybody else was going, fucking hell, well done. We didn't think you were going to do that. And then they started taking the piss at me again and saying, did you picture like loads of pizza boxes at the end of the <laughs> thing and stuff? <laughs> so that was the first good one that I can remember where. It did change it a bit for me, you know, where I thought if I would have failed that task, um, I might not have done as well in the competition. Um, but the task was about like digging in and not giving up. That's what the entire task was about. Um, so that, that's what I did. And then obviously the last anti-drowning um, task, which was I was the only person that, that could do it, which luckily... If, if they'd have made me do a few more, I would have swallowed too much water and I bet I wouldn't have been able to do it. But I think you had to do 15 or, or 16 times or something, going up and down. And then, yes, yeah, so you've got your hands tied together. And as soon as you get in the water, it's like, fucking hell. You know what it's like. It's like, right, brilliant. It's taking my breath away already. You can't swim because you're cable tied together. And then you get next to the waterfall where it's its deepest. And they tell you to exhale until you get to the bottom, and then and then come up, take a breath, and then straight back down, and keep it fluid. What I thought, like sort of at number nine or something, oh nice one. This is getting a bit easier because the the um, like the current of the waterfall was pushing you towards the shallow end, so you were going down and you were hitting the sort of bottom a bit quicker. But you're attached to it. You're attached to a cable to Foxy, who was also underwater. And I just remember thinking. Yes, I'm over, like getting a bit shallower here. And then my whole body got pulled all the way back. (laughs) (laughs) Where he had obviously yanked you back into the deep end. And I was thinking, fucking hell, try to swim back to the top. So that was the other good one because standing there in the freezing cold again, you just wet through, you're not moving, you just got to watch what's going on. And that's where it was just the three of us. So it was me, Chris, and Kim. And it was if you can't do this, you're done. And so the second Kim went first, and she couldn't do it in a cutter, and it was like right fucking hell. So then I went and I did it, and I was like, oh, you just you feel invincible at the end of it. Like there's nothing else I can't do now. Um, and then Chris obviously had a good shot, but I think he got cramp or something, or uh, something happened, and he it wasn't able to do it. But because he was so fit and he was so good at all the other stuff, they obviously said, yeah, we'll we'll let you pass on this one. Um, yeah. And even then, after that, mate because they play so much mind games on you. They said, right, come over this hill. So we came over the hill to them all, and they said, you see that mountain there? It took me three and a half hours to get up it the other day, three and a half hours to get down it. We'll give you an extra half hour. So you've got seven and a half hours to go up that mountain and back down. You've got this like 80 kg backpack pack on, you're full of water, the water's gushing around in your boots. And we just looked <laughs> at each other, <laughs> honestly. We looked at each other and we were like, fuck it, let's go. Yeah, let's do it. And then yeah. Ant said, um, so does anybody want a VW at this point? And we were like, no, let's do it. You know, and you've got nothing left and you just, it's, it's like them fake UGG boots. That's what your boots are like now. Yeah. So you're just sort of walking on them like that. Um, and he said, I'm glad you both said that because you have reached the end. You know, we're not actually going to do that. So that was Um, one
0: final test. That was one last test, wasn't it? Because if you had handed in your armband, you'd like gutted. That was the end. That was the test. Oh, yeah. Little bastards. I know. And it happened once.
1: Um, They did it all the time. But before the the very first false ending they had, um, false task, someone did. It was um, Elise. And we had all just finished the first sickness. And it was horrendous um and then with we're all freezing it's raining and he said face now everybody turn around and face the direction in which you're going in can you see the boat and it was like 200 meters out in the water this boat that's your um extraction now let's all get to the boat so it was like fucking hell and then he said does anybody want to hand in the, the band and elise took her band off and she said i can't go back in that water I'm cold to my bones, like I cannot face going back into that water. Gave a banding, and then he said, right, take one step forward, take two, so he was walking forwards towards the water, and then he said, extractions compromised, everyone back into the land <laughs> So we didn't, we didn't even have to go in the water in the end. Um, but
0: Elise had given her armband in thinking that we were going back in the water. Just another mind so, game. But it, it must come to a point where you've done everything, they've put you through the ringer, it doesn't matter what they're going to give you next. You're going to do it. You know, like it must get to that point where it's like, I don't care what you have. Go on, just throw it at me.
1: You're totally right, mate. Yeah, you're totally right. And you know what? That was me from day one. Because they step on you the second you get there and you're in pain the second you get there. Honestly, you're crawling through like uh, brambles and stuff and you're getting cut up and you're shredded. And you just think, bring it on! What, you cut me up some more. What, what else? Just, just
0: bring it on! Yes. Yeah, so you're right. I've got two quick questions um, before I want to move on to your rowing challenge as well. Uh, let to okay. let the, the listeners know about that. Um, but I'd like to know: so, what made you apply? What, what, what made you want to put your body and mind through all that? And would you do it again?
1: Good question. Well, the first one. Um, is to better know myself so it's I know it sounds like a bit cliche but you don't know whether you're a good person who does bad things now and again or if you're actually a bad person who just does some good stuff now and again so I had the luxury and I still do of having my own businesses in that I can be whoever I want to be so much so that I, I got lost and I wasn't really sure what sort of person I was because I, I did some really horrible things you know growing up and when I was a kid thinking that that was cool and that was the cool thing to do but then even today in this day and age you do think people need to be punished like the the universe is imbalanced when you come across something and you think how can they get away with that mm. so then you start to think are you still that person that you were when you were a kid or what sort of person are you so I'd watched the program and it was a friend actually who referred it to me and said, I think you'll be all right on this. So I'd watched it. I'd actually applied the year before and I didn't get through. So I applied the year before and did all the fitness tests, passed all that, but I didn't give them my story, really. I didn't want to share it with people. Like the irony is I thought I was being strong by keeping it to myself. But the obviously the irony is that I was being weak by not sharing it because I was worried about how people would look at me because, you know, I'm a professional now, I'm a businessman. I don't want to be talking about these things that happened in a in past life. And um, so, yeah. So the second time I applied, I told them everything. And I did all the fitness tests and told them everything. And they were like, yeah, let's get you on. And the whole reason I went is because I'm going to be submerged into an environment where I can prepare. And the raw person of who I am is going to come out and I'll, I'll get to know myself a lot better and I'll be with myself and know what I'm capable of and what sort of person you are. And that's what I wanted. I thought this was the only test that can really show me what sort of person I am really and get some sort of uh, clarity coming out of it. Mm.
0: And uh, did, you, what, did you learn anything about yourself? Not really, no. no. Uh, <laughs> it's a waste of time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I did. I yeah. did. It's it's about doing the right thing and just being that person to do the right thing. You do learn a lot about yourself. You stop sweating the small stuff. Where if you, for example, you didn't get enough sleep the night before, and normally convince yourself, don't you? I'm going to need loads of coffee today to get me through the day, and it's going to yeah. be a tough day. Whereas if you just tell yourself, my body's going to be all right. You know, today's going to be just like any other day. So what that I've only had a couple of hours sleep. Let's get through it and convince yourself because you know what your body has been able to do on 45 minutes kick. You know, you can do a full 24 hours on the run without any sleep. So this is going to be all right. It's yes. That sort of experience that, you know, ingrains on you. Um, the second, what was the second question again? Sir?
0: Would you do it again? Ah, um, you know they what? don't pay you, do they? It's- I would <laughs> do it again.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's,
0: you have to do it for free.
1: Yeah, I would do it again, but only if they brought all the winners back and I was up against all the winners. That would be a good one. Yeah, I'd, I'd do it again then. I'd, I'd go up against all the winners then because um, be, because I'd, I'd win again, but there would of be course. no point winning of again. Course. I just think, what's the point in putting myself through all life? I'm just going to be up against some new recru- recruits. I'm going to win again, so I might as well ramp it up and be up against everybody who won before
0: yeah of course so of course i'll that's do it again then so you are about to embark on a world record attempt challenge for it's the most distance road in 24 hours is that right that, that's right yeah, yeah. on a concept two rower yeah that's right so why? Why are you uh, taking part on this? Is it? Is it a charity <laughs> thing? Like, yeah. Why? Why are you putting why? yourself through hell again? Why are you, like, doing, why this? Are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> have you spoken uh, to anyone? Have you spoken to a professional? <laughs> like, no. I, I, I need to go out. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm scared of what they'll say. <laughs> have, have you? Have you done anything like this before? Is this? I mean, why this challenge? So when I got back from
1: SAS, I thought I need an. I need another challenge. Um, what am I scared of? So I went onto the gym floor, my local gym, and it was easy. I was like the rowing machine. I just, I hate it. You, it's so unforgiving. You cannot hide from the pain on that machine. Um, I'm gonna have to set a world record on it. I just thought, <laughs> I've, I've got to turn it into something else. And because I'm afraid of it, I'm getting on it because it hurts so much. I've got to show that machine that I'm the one in charge. Yeah. And it's so, so what, if it's going to hurt, um, be the best at something that you were the worst at, is what I, is what I wanted to do. Yeah. So yeah, it's as simple as that really. So
0: I, I think uh, the current record is at 307,000 metres, which yeah. is, if my maths are correct, 197 miles. Yep, yeah, that's right. And um, that's what you're aiming to be?
1: Yes, yeah, so I've got to average... In order to get a break, so if I have a one-minute break every hour, I should be averaging 13,150 metres per hour. So it's not, it's not even a, like... A, 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 you think about a marathon, and I know marathons are at a decent pace. This is a decent pace. Like, to just get 13,000 metres in an hour, you're pulling at some pace there. Yeah. Um, so to maintain that so that I can have because he averaged 12,800 and something, something like that. So in order for me to have a break, I need to get 13,100 and stay at that. And I get a minute rest every hour. And then I'm just hoping in the last six hours, I can turn the heat up and just
0: break away from him. Um, so that's your strategy. One minute rest every hour. Yeah, that's, pr- that's, that's insane. insane. So how what's your yeah. training look like? Uh, have you been doing like, four five hour rows and stuff like that or so i'll tell you what i was training for the, so for the past sort of six
1: months i've been training totally wrong so... <laughs> brilliant
0: <laughs> <laughs> as you were saying before Honestly, we started we? You, you you spoke to a professional and, and this was only three weeks ago you've now been given yeah. the correct uh brilliant but well, at least you got it. It. But yeah. you got it yeah late than never
1: I know. That's it. Unbelievable. It was like an angel that just came and saved me because don't get me wrong, I would have still done it. So I'd booked it in for the 1st of October. Um, but then I met, I'd met this guy and he said, give me 18 months. He said, give me 18 months and I will have you ready to do it. And I said, I'll give you one month. That's all I can give you. Yeah. I said, I'm good to go. And the whole point I am trying to do this is not to save for people to look at me and go, well, he's trained for two years. He's he's probably going to do it. You know, I won't be surprised if he does it. He's probably going to do it, even though it's a really hard task. I want people to look at me and go, he's not built for this machine. He's, you know, he's he's built for something else. And also he's actually not had that much training at all. So I want people to be like, wow, it it is total mental strength, like mind over matter. Um, So, yeah. So, one thing I don't know if you know much about rowers. I thought I knew a lot about rowers. I knew nothing about rowers. So the gauge from one to ten, the drag factor on the side, that doesn't um increase your meters whatsoever. So for the past six months, I've been rowing at level ten because I thought the harder the pull, the more meters I'm gonna row.
0: I've but always thought that. that.
1: Is, no, that is not the case. It's the drag factor so professional rowers will put it up to 10 when they're doing a power session because they don't want to fly off the back of the rower they want to get their watts up and pull it as hard as they can now what it determines is how deep your oars are in the water so number 10 means your oars are really deep in the water it doesn't mean you're pulling more meters it just means your drag factor is a lot harder so then when you put it to the number one, it means your oars are skimming the water a little bit, which it's really easy. Right. Whereas if you put it in the middle, like four or five, your drag factor at 130, which is the optimum drag factor, which is what I'm on now, that's when you are most efficient and you're not going to blow your back out. So i would got up to six hours and 10 minutes. And I've just, <laughs> had, it on,
0: I've just had it on level 10. 10.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I just remember getting off, like, fucking hell, like, every time, thinking, "Yeah, oh, I'm I'm going to have to have some painkillers on the day. Um, but it, it wouldn't have... I would have been using all that energy for no reason. It doesn't get you any more metres. It's just a harder drag so that you can yank harder to get your power up, your wattage up, but it doesn't mean you're pulling more metres. Um, so that is one of the golden things that it's brought, as yeah. well as, just like you said, you would have thought you just build yourself up to 12 hours or however long, and then you think, right, I'm good to go on the day, but that is not the case. You need to build up your endurance on several different machines, the ski erg, the cross trainer, the assault bike, the watt bike. Build your endurance up on all that stuff and build your power up on the rowing machine so you're building up those muscles that you use for rowing. So this guy has got me training like three times a day um, and now I've changed my sleeping pattern. So I get up, at I usually, um, get up at sort of one o'clock and tomorrow I'll be getting up at sort of two and three and four and going to bed at six. So I'm training at the gym. Um, started last night at one o'clock in the morning and finished. So four hours on the walk-by, finished at 5am. Um, so we're, we're totally preparing so that I can sleep right up until five o'clock till next Friday. So that at half six when I get on the roller I'm good to go you know for 24 hours
0: oh geez as well I suppose in in hindsight it's quite good you've only learned this three weeks out otherwise he would have had you doing mad sleeping patterns for six months yeah <laughs> quite lucky yeah
1: oh yeah yeah definitely I would have been snapping at everyone for a little bit yeah
0: <laughs> but, um... <laughs> I mean, how, how do you um how do you mentally prepare for something like this because I think it as well as the physicality of it it's also the monotony, monotony and boredom, right? It's 24 hours staring at the same spot. Yeah. Um, there's only so many times you can replay Transformers in your head. The movie. <laughs> like, you can I'm do a, that forever. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I hate to break it to you. It's, it's not that great of a film, but uh, I know it's your <laughs> But like... Um... Now that is torture. <laughs>
1: <turning
0: out. laughs> so but I guess you're doing this in, in Leeds, um, where is it, in Leeds High Street. So hopefully people around yeah. you, right, will, um, will keep you entertained right. throughout the whole day. Yep. so there's a combination of that. There's not going to
1: be obviously too many people about during like sort of midnight and bloody 10am on the high street before the shops open. But we've got an outdoor cinema as well that's going to be there and a TV in front of me. So we're going to be watching the Marvel films from sort of start to finish. Nice. Uh, again, it's for, for me and for everybody. We've got the cinema there because you don't just want to be watching a guy on a rower just going back on forth. It's boring. So um, the cinema is there for that. I'm hoping the Marvel films will distract me as well as there's going to be a second drawing machine on stage. So anybody can come up and do a few meters with me if they want and take some pictures and stuff like that. It's all about just leads mind for charity you know that who help people with mental health issues and that's what it's all about the event is bigger than me and the actual Guinness World Record it's just about showing people how strong the mind is so preparing for it I am saying nothing is going to stop me breaking this record the only thing is I want to break it by so much that nobody can break it after me yeah so that's the only thing that's on my mind like I need to pull as hard as I can in those last six hours to get as far away from that Guinness World Record as possible, but nothing is going to stop me from breaking this record. I've, I've got it; it's, it's in the bag. I've, I've got it. Yeah.
0: But, um, so, who, no who one's are, broken it in twenty go on, mate. I was, um, was going to say, so who, ha, who currently has that record? Are they a rower as well, or is it or is it someone like yeah. yourself who's not a typical rower? No,
1: they're, they're a rower, and they did it on. Um, so they, they rode in the navy. Um, and it's a guy called um, I think it's Stephen Harris um, is his name and uh, he did it in 2001 no one's been able to be him for 20 years um, and uh, he did it on uh, HMS fearless I think one of the ships he was actually on the deck doing the rowing um, whilst the ship was out at sea That's pretty and cool. he also has the yeah, he also has the seventy two hour record so he'd been The way in which you determine a continuous row, as far as the Guinness World Record is concerned, is an hour, uh, every hour row that you do, you have no more than a 10-minute rest. So for 72 hours, he had no more than 10-minute rest per hour, Mm. um, continuously. This is the calibre of guy that you're dealing with. He's obviously incredibly strong, uh, mentally and physically. But yeah, of course, he's a natural rower. And when you see pictures of him, is a lean guy is, is how you would picture a rower to be really quite tall yeah. and lean. Um, my coach has actually said he's an incredible guy. My coach, absolutely incredible. He's got such a good way of words as well. He said, "You're going to upset a lot of people
0: in the rowing community." I hope so. If, if I you hope do so. This, yeah, definitely yeah. will. But well, you know they're going to say, "What's this rugby player beating <laughs> us our own game for?" Aren't they? Yeah yeah exactly it says you've got people who train from the age of seven
1: to become professional rollers and if they see you just come off the street with six months sort of training three weeks professional training training to do it it's going to really upset
0: the rowing community yeah um, definitely which is good i aim to misbehave you know it's what <laughs> <do>. <laughs> so if, if people want to give you some support if, if people want to come down um and also if people want to donate where where can they do that what what dates it on and times so Friday the 29th um, is when I'll start
1: on Brigette High Street in Leeds um, at half past six. The banners will be going up this weekend as well, so people will be able to see, and that's, that's got the dates and times on it up the high street. Mm-hmm. Um, and anybody can come from sort of six o'clock onwards because there's going to be interviews and, and stuff going on on stage just before I start. Um, but I would recommend it. it's going to be um, a good atmosphere to be around, I reckon, Um with regards to fundraising um you can go direct to leads mind and um, they're a, they're a part of the mind charity uh, but i've also got the links on my instagram as well that um you can just click on that and it goes through to the fundraising page i can share it again as well
0: also yeah We'll i'll put your your links and all the relevant links below the interview the podcast for people to click and donate nice one now, we've got, I've got a couple of user questions. So a couple of Team Rockman members nice. have put in a couple of questions. Uh, I've got three of them. Then what we'll do is we'll, we'll wrap this uh, section up, and then we're going to do a, do a short section. So I, I won't keep you all night, James. I know you've got, you probably want to have a shower after your session. Um, and nah, it's all right. That'll oh be for God, the, um, think- Good. That'll be for our Rockman Plus members, so they they're paid subscription members. Uh, we'll just ask a couple of questions on resilience and well-being, and it, it ties in nicely to everything that you've done, and and also the charity challenge for Leeds Mind. So we have Amy C. Yeah. Parker has put through a question. She has said, "What was the most mentally tough challenge on the SAS Who Dares Win show?"
1: Had to have been the stress positions. Um, you had no idea when it was going to end. And your body is in so much pain that it plays on your mind. You just don't know when it's going to end. So the mentality of it is you never get a rest and you don't know when that pain is going to end. You know it's going to end eventually, but you don't know if you have another half hour left or another 10 hours. So that was by far the worst part of the entire program, the stress positions and not knowing when that's going to end.
0: Yeah. I suppose the benefit with the Rowan challenge, you know, it's it's 24 hours. <laughs> like after 24 <laughs> hours, it can end. Like at least you know that's, that's ending. Um, yeah, it's only 24. Only 24. We've got coached by <laughs> coached by JP has asked, what has been your best achievement since the show? Oh,
1: nice. Um, that's a good one. Oh, that's an awesome question.
0: I suppose um, it, it doesn't have to be um, necessarily like a physical challenge. It could be anything personal or business related or?
1: Yeah, I would probably say business then. So business related, how I've been able to grow the company, but the awards, um, literally before the show came out. So in October, we did the show. In November, we went to an award ceremony with, the, with, with my business. And we ended up winning the most prestigious award there, which I had no idea we would have even got to with all the different estate agents and stuff that are around Mm. London, especially we ended up beating them all. I would have to say that, to be honest with you. And the reason why I had to think so hard about it is because how do you top, you know, sort of SAS? Mm. Um, and I suppose it's not about topping it. It's more what successes have you got since then? And, um, you know it's it, that is such a good question because you need to keep setting yourself challenges and
0: if you ask them that question again this time next week obviously i'll have another answer for you. the world record yeah yeah is there anything you've taken from the uh the sas experience into maybe business that has helped get uh make, help you achieve that awards um success yeah absolutely it's not sweating the small stuff
1: so when you know what you can what you can do and when you know that there's some bad stuff happening out there, you don't need to sweat this smaller stuff. And people are getting stressed out about the situation they think not, they're not in control of. But you are in control of absolutely every situation you're in. The more you feel out of control, the more you're actually in control of it. Because as long as you control yourself, you can do it. You can overcome anything. It doesn't matter how long it takes. Yeah. You can still overcome it day by day. So that's a big thing that I've taken from it in that you are pushed way beyond your limit on that program that once you come out you are without a doubt a new person you are a different person um and so taking that into business into relationships with friends or um, our partners or anything like that you change the way you look at everything that when every day people experience 10 problems even more and for you to just look at them with a bit of a lackadaisy approach like it's all good we're, we're going to be able to find a way around this it's all good that's a big thing that I've taken from it not sweating the small stuff
0: Bro. now we've got a Pav from Slough writes um how did wonder you yeah I wonder who he is uh, Pav uh, <laughs> twenty nine thirty from Slough uh, obviously a big fan how did you view the how do you do you, hang on, let me read. How did you see the show when you came out and how do you see it now in terms of your journey, journey, personal journey? Right,
1: okay. So obviously excitement when it first came out because you know you're the winner. Now that would have been completely different if I wouldn't have won. I think I would have had a different approach to watching it and um, probably would have had regrets because then you would just beat yourself up a little bit if you didn't give it your absolute all and maybe convince yourself that you didn't if you didn't win. Um, so the the first feeling was excitement. Like I couldn't wait for the next episode and the adverts and all that sort of stuff to come out. Although on the flip side, I was slightly worried about people knowing stuff about me that they didn't know before. Um, so... The sort of background that we came from people I work with knowing that sort of stuff, the initial reaction I thought was it could this could be a bit embarrassing, but then, after thinking about it and taking uh, adopting it and owning that sort of path, I thought anybody who doesn't want to deal with me after they hear about a bit more about me, I don't want to deal with them either. you know yeah. if they're going to be prejudicial against my past. I don't judge anybody by their path um so yeah, initially I was very excited about it coming out. Really happy with the way it was. It portrayed everything, um, but I was a little bit worried as well about what people would think of me. Um, but then after a while, I just didn't really give a shit. Yeah. I just thought, you know, it's it's there's loads of people who are just going to hate you for whatever reason, um, and that's cool. Just let
0: them do it. Yeah um it's, is there a question because we've got pav scheduled in in a couple of weeks time for a podcast is there a question yeah. you'd like to put to him yeah i've got a question um during sas
1: um he had a boxing match with someone and i just wanted to know the outcome of that um, <laughs> <laughs> so if you can put this question to him say um when you went into sas did anybody knock you unconscious? uh during during your um your time there or or uh or, or, or what happened you know i think okay. that's the question i'm gonna ask
0: <laughs> if you know anybody knock you unconscious and then just keep it like that i will i will put that question to him i promise and that's half the fun actually what uh watching you two on instagram constantly bantering each other <laughs> i get much enjoyment out of that it makes me laugh um Well, that's the end of section one. We're going to move on to section two in a minute. So before we wrap up section one, where can people find you? Uh, What's your Instagram handles and uh, if they want to follow you in your progress?
1: Yep, it's uh, James underscore Priestley
0: underscore. And that's on the Instagrams, is it? That's on Instagram, yeah. On uh, on Facebook, it'll be uh, Jimmy Priestley on there. And you you haven't got a TikTok, have you? You're not one of those uh, dancers? No, I'm not. I uh, <laughs> think you just got to come and see it for yourself to believe it, really. Cool. Um, well, thank you very much. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, guys, if you enjoyed this My interview pleasure. and you want to hear more, after this podcast, we record extra sections and extra questions exclusively for the Rockman Plus members. If you want to find out how you can sign up, you can go uh, to the Rockman Plus membership. You can find out all the details on the website rockman.co.uk. Uh, thank you very much, James. Uh, it's not the end. We're going to move on to section two.